Welcome to the Interop Now podcast, where it's all about health data interoperability and the technology solutions that will transform your business. We bring you the information you need to find the right solutions to exceed federal requirements, improve patient satisfaction, and increase your bottom line. We will talk to leading industry experts about using APIs to unleash, repurpose, and scale healthcare data. And now your host, interoperability maven, Sandy Vance. Hi, everybody. It's Sandy Vance. And on today's podcast, Kevin Erdahl will guest host a panel of thought leaders as they discuss how Nordic's team of experts can help your healthcare organization navigate cloud transformation. A trusted partner like Nordic can help your organization know where to begin, how to determine which innovations will maximize your return on investment, and how to protect your assets from a cybersecurity perspective. Kevin Erdahl has been Nordic's Managing Director and Practice Lead for Digital Health for about three years and has an extensive healthcare background. Thank you, Kevin, and to the rest of our panel for being here today to share with our listeners. And now I invite you to kick things off. Perfect. All right. Thanks, folks. Uh, first and foremost, want to thank everybody for taking a minute out of your busy day to dial into the podcast here. We have a couple compelling topics that we think are going to be helpful not only from an early planning stage, but also from a continuous improvement phase as well. So I know everybody's busy. I want to just uh, recognize the fact that uh, there's a lot going on and you took 30 minutes out of your day to listen to us. We greatly appreciate it. So the two topics we really want to dive into here today are the concept of the cloud transformation activity uh, that's prevalent within the healthcare space today, and then also cybersecurity and the role that plays as we start to talk through modernization and some of the activity um, that we know is going across the healthcare spectrum in today's world. So with that, we're not really just talking about, you know, database from on-prem to database on cloud. We really want to focus in on how can we modernize and leverage some of the net new tools that big tech is bringing to the market and, and help us with a, uh, a modernized activity along with some of the innovative solutions that we know folks are building and, and really enhancing the activity around collaboration, both internally to organizations, but then also externally to organizations. While we do that, we want to make sure that obviously we're protecting ourselves from some of those bad actors in the world today. So making sure that while we're modernizing, we're also protecting ourselves from some of the folks outside of our organizations, also making sure we're not uh, at risk of losing data and things of that nature. These are two topics that are near and dear to my heart. When I started my career almost 15 years ago uh, at Mayo Clinic, had the opportunity to help with some application support, get hands-on data from an operational reporting perspective to support clinical operations and revenue cycle and really the whole gamut across the um, healthcare spectrum, which was really exciting um, and a great way to learn what the power of technology can bring to, um, bring to the healthcare systems in today's world. Also, I had an opportunity to look at what an EHR implementation at scale can really do for an organization, but also recognizing that there are a number of systems outside of the EHR that we need to think through. So having an opportunity to participate as part of a, a large EHR implementation over a three-year period, getting the opportunity to step back and figure out what is the data strategy we can think of proactively to really support the activity around not only the EHR implementation, but also the rest of the organization itself. And last but not least, had a great opportunity to spend about three years within Mayo Clinic's Unified Data Platform, proactively integrating data to support things like clinical research and um, enterprise-level analytics. So really understanding the complexity of integrating data from those disparate systems and understanding what the power of technology can do to make not only make that a little bit easier, but by proactively positioning data can really start to help 
the clinical research groups of the world, but then also data science and other activities around that. So really excited to dive into the details with a, a few of our experts here today who I'll introduce here in just a second. We are gonna cover a lot of content. Um, by all means, reach out to any one of us at any time. Uh, we're only a phone call away. A couple of us are gonna be in Miami at five as well. So we'd love to be able to catch up with you at that point. So without further ado, let me introduce the panel here. Um, I'm gonna start off with Jimmy, who's joining us uh, from our AWS team. <clears throat> Jimmy's been a global senior solution architect within the EHR space for the last couple of years, but has 15 years of experience within IT and 10 of which have been within healthcare. So a lot of hands-on experience to um, bring to the topic of hands here today. Thanks for joining, Jimmy. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Kevin. Absolutely. Next, we have Saran, who's joining us from our Nordic Cloud um, practice team here at Nordic, who's been with us for a couple of years, really helping set the vision around this concept of modernizing infrastructure. And Saran brings over two decades of experience to the conversation here today. It really had hands-on experience, not just within healthcare, but also outside of healthcare. So it has a perspective of what a modern um, platform can really do for organizations and how we can start to leverage some of these set new services and these new tools to make sure that our IT teams are positioned well for the here and now, but also the future. Saran, thanks for joining. Pleasure to be here, Kevin. Thank you. Yes. And last but certainly not least, we have Reza joining the party here. Uh, Reza brings about almost three decades of experience to the table, specifically around cybersecurity, a uh, vast majority of which has been within healthcare. So Reza, I know you've been doing this for a long time and excited to hear some of your thoughts around topics at hand today. Thanks for having me, great to be here. Absolutely. All right, folks, so I, I wanna kick off with this concept around modernization and, and really getting into some of the details of how we've helped uh, customers in the past or how we're seeing people successfully move from um, some of the on-prem activity that we see within healthcare, um, but really leveraging net new tools um, as we continue to move forward into some of these cloud environments. The first thing that I hear oftentimes from, from some of the customers and some of my friends and colleagues I talk to is, you know, where do I start? Um, do I start with applications? Should I start with the security makeup? Do I start with a data platform? And there's, I don't know that there's a wrong answer, but I think it's a, a nice topic that folks are thinking through today. So Jimmy, wondering if you would kick us off here and kind of give a little lens in terms of how you help customers think through means in which we can start the activity and really lead towards this modernized platform. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Uh, the customers that we're typically working with in the healthcare domain we're typically taking the approach that we work backwards where we want to meet in the middle with them. A lot of the healthcare organizations from what we're hearing at AWS are really focusing on data to begin with data. And these organizations express having several data silos across their enterprise. So a lot of organizations, their IT uh, departments have matured, they created all these data silos, and they have no good mechanism in place to kind of aggregate that data. So they're really challenged with that. And what AWS is trying to bring forward to kind of alleviate those issues is bringing about the, the concept of an AWS data lake house. And essentially, what we have is several AWS services that can help facilitate the data ingestion um, one specifically is the AWS database migration service, which actually allows organizations to replicate their data into AWS, and it can be their entire database or a subset of their data. But really what it provides them is the capability to actually look at native AWS services, um, for example, like S3, Aurora, or Redshift, and they'll, those all those platforms provide the capability to aggregate that data into one data lake house. Um, 
once that data is available in AWS, there's a lot of other services that become useful for these organizations that kind of go down the innovation route. Um, one of them being QuickSight, which allows organizations to understand data by asking que questions in natural language, exploring through interactive dashboards, and analyzing patterns and outliers powered by machine learning. Another service that a lot of healthcare organizations, especially in the research domain, are bringing up is building ML models on top of their data. Um, one of this that um, one service that has been brought about um, recently is the SageMaker autopilot functionality. And really what that allows organizations who aren't familiar with building ML models is that you can actually use SageMaker autopilot, point to that data once it's in AWS, and can actually build and train machine learning models based off your data. So in the innovation uh, space, um, it's kind of a two-part question, how to get the data in. We have services that can help there, but then also what do you do with the data once it's in AWS? And that's where QuickSight and SageMaker are becoming uh, very popular. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks, Jimmy. I know you folks have been innovating for a while, so it's good to see some of these tools come to life. So Ron, I want to build on this a little bit based off of what Jimmy just mentioned. Um, you know, oftentimes we hear from our customers that it could be anywhere from 300 to 700 applications uh, in the in a specific healthcare location. Do you approach something like that from a, hey, this application is near end of life or potentially from a hardware standpoint or data or all the above? Do you have any thoughts to add to some of the tools that Jimmy just referenced? Absolutely, absolutely, Kevin. I mean, application modernization, right? I mean, your question from a, modernization and innovation. So application modernization has been an integral advantage when the cloud is really shaking, shaping up. Uh, quite a few organizations have seen it in different ways. Um, earlier, it has been from a lift and shift. Applications will be lift and shifted to cloud. But today with the native cloud tools and modernization mechanisms, we don't really have to look from a lift and shift perspective. There are a lot of methods we can re-architect the entire applications. Organizations have started utilizing serverless concepts. The last reinvent that we attended with AWS, quite few critical services that Jimmy outlined are all serverless concepts. But that helps most of the application team to not necessarily lift and shift an application, cut down the application footprint, and also get more productivity increases by re-architecting the overall design patterns, right? And what that means is we are simplifying the workflows. When we migrate an application, what we are trying to, while we are trying to save the cost, but we're also trying to improvise the workflows. So I think I certainly see from a point of view that application modernization, uh, cloud gives the real enablement from a tools perspective, from a use case perspective, and most importantly, with the industry cloud segment that both AWS offers today, from a healthcare perspective, you get the blueprint of application modernization. Certainly it's a great component. Okay. Absolutely. No, I appreciate that. And you hit on one component cost that I'm going to come back to here in just a second. But before I do that, Reza, I want to call on you. And, and if I'm CIO, I'm going to be concerned about this. I'm living in two worlds concept, it feels like. As I you know, work through this transformation, it feels like I now have to protect two environments. Or it feels like uh, there might be a period of time where I'm more vulnerable than others from a security standpoint. What, what's your experience there? How do you manage that uh, transition? You know, that's a, a great question and building on what Jimmy and Saran had said around where to start, you know, with the data in the applications and kind of going serverless. I think it's the great opportunity for CIOs and CISOs uh, of these organizations to do the, uh, the best job up front 
of planning for what that landing zone, so to speak, or that core infrastructure in the cloud is going to look like from a security perspective, get that dialed in correctly from the start. What I'd seen, you know, years and years ago before this uh, true serverless migration, um, you know, where we were doing lift and shift and, and all of this is there'd be an enormous amount of uh, waste in terms of time and slow to market of security teams kind of getting, uh, you know, an application that wants to go into the cloud. You know, they do some sort of a risk analysis on that. Uh, they return a 70 page document to the team who's, who's trying to get this application or solution live. And then, you know, what was going to be a two month, uh, you know, migration or transformation now is all of a sudden, you know, on the order of a year, right? And so as we move into this, uh, the newer world with serverless, we really can start uh, from, this, from the top, uh, put the security controls in place from a network perspective, uh, from application tiers and API tiers and data and identity, put that uh, in place together for what the organization knows to be their standard or their requirement. And so therefore any other uh, team, application team or data team or business team that's gonna migrate or create solution on top of that environment by default will then inherit the security properties of that environment, right? And so uh, all of that to say, yes, let's spend the time up front to get that defined properly, implemented properly. And then all subsequent activity that goes into that environment is gonna follow that security pattern. I love that. So it sounds like we're really modernizing our uh, security structure while we're modernizing some of our infrastructure almost at the same time, created a more secure environment. I love that. Indeed. Great. We did hit on a cost component that is almost always the next thing I hear uh, when talking through uh, some of these modernizing activities. First, it's where do I start? How do I begin? And appreciate the insights there. The second then becomes this feels like a really big, expensive project. It feels like we have to bite off everything all at once. So Ron, you, you started to touch on it a little bit. I'm wondering if you can dive a little deeper into how can we look at you know, maybe starting small or cost savings activities, or, or how do we have the conversation and help our CIOs on the phone today think through the, the cost aspect of something like this? Absolutely, Kevin. Return of investment is a key component when we think about any transformation exercise, whether it be moon to cloud or we get an application or different application tier. The return of investment on cloud uh, is a well-seen, well-experienced outcome from cloud perspective. While there are two approaches to it, one, there is certainly a long-term benefit from a return of investment while we move from a traditional infrastructure to cloud, there is a lot of uh, potential costs from a maintenance administrative, right? All those things are getting saved as we move on to cloud. There is a shift from an ownership, right? And the, the tiers of ownership between an infrastructure provider versus the uh, enterprises shift from the layer shift from it. But most importantly, when we strategize a cloud modernization, there are many methods to strategize a cloud modernization. Our organization will look for more innovation. Right. I mean, I mean, in traditional infrastructure, you are going to build up more infrastructure to get more innovative uh, outcomes. But in cloud, that is already embedded. So there is a there is a significant savings that you are really bringing in by from an investment perspective. And you look at an investment uh, innovation standpoint. The other area is from an end of life modernization. Organizations typically go with a three year, five year kind of an hardware 
plan, right? Over three years to five years, you have to re-engineer your hardware. So you have to re-engineer your software. We have seen databases getting versionized. We have seen application getting versionized. So what is key here in cloud is that you are typically approaching an end-of-life situation and you can convert that as an opportunity to kind of re-architect your application. Like we just spoke earlier about some of the methods we can re-architect applications. You can certainly achieve licenses, license savings. We can achieve, uh, of course, we can achieve uh, cost savings on uh, license procurements and other uh, things, areas. Hardware uh, investments is a great area where we can look at cloud as a point, a point of view. But you have other po potential question about um, where should I start? How should I start this uh, from a cost saving perspective? You can segment the strategies either by an end of life approach or by an environment based approaches where we can look at a lower environment getting migrated. Um, while there are many ways where we can approach it from a storyboard perspective, we have playbooks which we have done. We have ourselves have helped many customers in variety of situations, right? We have met them in a point where they are and help them transition from where they are to cloud. Okay. The last point on this, Kevin, is um, um, it's also about how you will do the budget controls. That's a significant thing, right? I mean, when you move on to cloud, one perception is that I'm, I do not know how much the cost I'm going to keep investing it, right? Well, there is an OPEX, CAPEX savings and all, but there is a great budget controls. So you can limit your budget, you can set controls, you can have a lot of uh, event-triggered activities, right? I think those are certain methods where we can look at um, uh, uh, cloud migration planning, Kevin. Well, that's great. I want to hit on that budget control. And Jimmy, I know you folks have a number of great tools uh, at AWS to help maybe identify opportunities, maybe use a different storage uh, strategy, if you will, for some of the legacy type data sets. Can you expand on any examples where maybe you've helped an organization uh, make the transformation that Saran is hitting on and then leverage those budgeting tools to identify opportunities, to maybe even save more money. Yeah, no, that's a great, um, a great question. So AWS currently has AWS budgets, which one of the first things you have to do when you set up AWS budgets is actually set a threshold of how much spend you want to utilize. And if you exceed that spend within a certain time frame, you can actually set up notifications to be sent out to a specific um, list of um, individuals that want to be notified on that spend. So that, that's a really powerful tool. The other thing um, that we recommend is use Cost Explorer. So Cost Explorer has the capability to look at all your service spend and actually um, get down to fine-grained details on what you're spending on various AWS services. If you couple that with tagging, you can get very familiar with just looking at the Cost Explorer output. These instances are tagged for this application or for this um, specific database. Then you can really get into that fine-grained control and visibility into your spend. So, so that's that's one of the, the big tools to actually look into costs. But however, um, one of the key points I want to outline too are some of the savings plans options that AWS um, provides. So saving plans are used for organizations who are gonna to commit to a certain amount of spend and they can get discount on those services. So those do come in one to three year to, uh, terms and they're great options if customers are going through this digital transformation, they know, they know they're gonna use cloud resources and they wanna get discounting and they wanna to commit to AWS for one to three year terms to actually get that discounting on specific uh, sets of services. So those are some of the uh, options, but if we, if we really wanna go even further, Storage um, is another option that we can look at with customers too, because a lot of this data that we bring in 
applications, they're going to utilize st storage. And there's a lot of good tools with AWS Backup, um, AWS uh, S3 Glacier, Glacier Deep Archive that really have competitive price points and actually have the ability to send your backup data to different tiers of um, AWS storage to kind of bring those lower costs. So we're always um, thinking about costs. It's, it's one of our um, pillars for the well-architected framework. And when we're with customers, we always want to make sure that they're optimizing their costs on AWS. Excellent. I love the multidisciplinary mindset there, Jimmy. It's not just about storage or the services that you're utilizing, but really the comprehensive view. Uh, I think it's a great strategy for organizations to consider as they not only go through the activity, but also maintain and manage. I want to shift gears here a little bit. Uh, we've been talking about a lot of the, the great benefits, I think, of moving towards uh, some of these cloud-based activities. But now I want to focus more on, on my team internally. So for the, the CIOs or the CISOs on the call with us today, um, or even any of the operational owners, what does it look like for, for my internal team who's been great for years, but they, they know the tools they know? Uh, that's a reality. How do we talk through maybe a reskilling activity or some form of training? Um, and Reza, I want to start with you because I think this could have the biggest impact on some of the security professionals uh, with us today. What kind of strategies or, or how should we be thinking about reskilling our existing team members or possibly bringing in um, other agencies to help with training. Can you talk through uh, what you've seen successful? Sure thing, Kevin. So when we look at this in today's again kind of climate, um, we have to we have to remember back to the the olden days uh, back when you know security was called information security and not cybersecurity, right? And so you know back in those days we had significant ramp up of teams. Um, each individual, what I would call a security discipline area typically in an organization had its own leadership. It had its own, you know, uh, team managers. It had, you know, analysts and so forth. Um, and so over time, what began to happen is there was what, you know, we would call calcified spend for running security within an organization, right? You had these enormous amounts of teams. Meanwhile, the technologies are advancing, they're evolving, in many cases, they're being made obsolete or redundant with other technologies, but yet always the teams kind of remained. Very inefficient use of resources and capital uh, in, in that world. Again, as we think about now transitioning and pivoting uh, into uh, you know, the current cloud type environments like AWS provides and so forth, um, we really have an opportunity to take advantage of the automation and take advantage of the fact that once we can configure our services and our sets appropriately uh, and monitor them, you know, again, utilizing in many cases, the native tools that are available to us through those platforms, uh, we experience a tremendous amount of, of saving. And so what we see now is organizations uh, pivoting uh, a lot of their talent, not just to, you know, manage the, the security related elements in their uh, cloud deployment, taking on higher order responsibilities. For example, participating more specifically on understanding what are the risks associated with this new business model we're tackling or for these user stories or these personas that we're, we're solving for, what, what can go wrong, right? And then being able to work proactively uh, with the application teams to start thinking through those aspects rather than kind of, again, watching a screen to fire when alerts fire and so forth. 
So that's that's what I'm seeing a lot happen uh, today. Great great opportunity for teams to start to uplift their uh, security teams to to do higher order value for uh, their business. Yeah, I love that concept of getting folks at top of license that you mentioned, Reza, uh, as we make some of these trans transitions as well. So, Ron, I've, I've seen you firsthand help some organizations make the, the transition as well, and, and you have the, the two-in-the-box mindset and really help bring folks along with an implementation. Could you talk maybe just for a minute or so about how you've seen others be successful um, reskilling while we implement kind of mindset, if you want mind? Certainly, Kevin, because this is a key component. Uh, when we help our customers move on to cloud, it is a very key component to enable them get the awareness, get the understanding of how the entire ecosystem is going to work. And before I even answer, I want to let you know that cloud is not, uh, cloud is an evolving innovation. That means next year when you come and see it, there's going to be 200 more services, or there can be 100 less services, right? So our team has to be prepared enough, not just to take care of the current operations, but also have a mindset from an innovative perspective. And that all comes back to the skill sets. Right, and the, the team skills are the ecosystem of the team that we need. So two areas, reskilling and upskilling is certainly a key need when we help a customer go to cloud. So when we engage with the customers, the one thing which we do is there are methodological programs that is very clearly available. Uh, we do a lot of reinvent programs, Jimmy and I did uh, for a variety of our customers. We, uh, we do immersion programs. Uh, where we bring in the customer team, identify areas for them to be learning, uh, start with the tools, start with some of uh, the operation procedures, and Jimmy articulated about the well-architected framework being the base of how we will run the operation. So we look at areas of skill and reskill, uh, but most importantly, what is also important from a customer perspective is technology areas. Uh, cloud is all about uh, automation, like Reza was talk talking about, right? It's all about automation and operational excellence. So that means everything is going to be on the code-based activities, right? I mean, we can do many of the things from a CLI, command line interface perspective. So that allows developers to be giving them a more freedom to kind of innovate, right? Which in a traditional on-premises environment, uh, you are dependent with the technology limitations. Here it is not. So I would recommend uh, looking at areas from a development perspective, looking at skill sets of having like Python, and those kind of skills will really elevate the team standards while we have methodological programs to reskill our skill, but uh, certainly these areas will help the customers build their own uh, strengthened team, Kevin. I love that, Saran, and seeing some of your immersion events and, and framework around that, getting developers to talk to developers is, is always so powerful. That's always been true, right? It's, it's great to see that continue uh, as we progress. I want to shift to one of the biggest questions uh, that sometimes out there, not so much in maybe in today's world, but certainly three or four years ago. And, and Jimmy, I'd love to hear your perspective on the why behind some of this. So we know that we can start with a cloud platform implementation, modernizing. We know we can start small. We're going to get some value. We've talked about rescaling the team. But there's sometimes that mindset of why should I do it? Why should I do it now? Um, you know, I've been running possibly on-prem for 30 years successfully. So could you talk to some of the value props and some of the ads that you've seen from your customers, Jimmy, and talk through the ever-evolving why behind these conversations? Yeah, thanks, Kevin. I think from the why perspective, a lot of the customers we're hearing from are indicating that they want to get out of the data center 
operations business. So they really want to focus more on their core missions and not so much operating data centers. Now, due to the evolution of the cloud and when it became available, we do understand that, you know, 20 years back, there was no concept of the cloud and that organizations were tasked with creating their own data centers, deploying their own applications, and then kind of maintaining those data centers. So once the cloud became available, it was providing them another opportunity to look at moving, getting out of that business, being more um, data center operation business and being more focused on their core mission. So that's what we're hearing a lot from the healthcare organizations. But the other piece of the why that we've seen is the um, infrastructure provisioning cycles that we're seeing with our customers, where every you know three to seven years, they're looking at buying an, a lot of hardware. So it always becomes an opportunity to actually look at the AWS cloud to actually utilize the new processors we're releasing, the new storage services, the new EC2 instance types for them to utilize as opposed to waiting for um, a hardware um, vendor to actually deliver that, install it, and take time to get that operational in their data centers. So, so that's one thing. I would also mention too, that on the, another part of the why is a, a lot of the machine learning space has really been taking off and organizations are kind of tasked with figuring this all out. At AWS, we're trying to make that a little bit more streamlined with SageMaker to kind of actually tap insights into their data that can, can support their core mission with their organization. So I'd say, you know, around the why, it's they don't want to operate the data centers. They're looking at a quick way to scale their infrastructure and then also tap into some kind of um, new services that we have available for their use. Excellent. I love to love to hear the evolving story, Jimmy. It's it's fascinating. Can't wait to see where we are five years from now as well. I think that story will continue. I um, want to go to a, a kind of a unique component, I think, in healthcare right now, and that's the monetization of some of what we might be able to do by enabling this innovation that you just referred to, Jimmy. And, and Reza, I want to get your perspective on as we're maybe building something, you know, or Jimmy, you mentioned some of the machine learning, or we might have some net new models coming from our organization, and maybe we want to offer that to other organizations in healthcare. What should we be thinking of, Reza, when we're going down that path and, and really wanting to not only protect our data, but also possibly our IP? It's a, it's a, it's a great question, and I think it hits on what has been problematic for the industry since meaningful use and interoperability, uh, you know, started to, to really make its way into the organization, right? And so I think it's, it's like so many other things, it's a thoughtful approach across a couple of different or several different areas, right? Uh, you know, the first of which is from a policy and governance perspective, right? Uh, what can we do with the new model that we're implementing? Uh, what 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 authorizations need to be um, recorded? You know when we have uh, when we put this into place with organizations that we're going to integrate with or do business with or who are going to utilize these new services, right? And so that's a careful discussion with the legal group and the compliance team to understand. You know what I mean, here's what we're trying to accomplish. Uh, what what does the legal framework and um, policy framework look like for this? So I think that's one kind of key area. The other area or another key area is obviously in terms of, well, once we understand what are the use cases we're solving for, um, well then, okay, well, how are we going to protect that, right? How do we, how can we be certain 
that the use cases we're implementing are uh, being accessed by the correct individuals or correct parties? How can we be certain that the data uh, and the processes involved are the correct data and processes, that we haven't given away too much information, for example? And so I think concerning ourselves again with uh, what are the security aspects of this model, right? I, we talk about identity, we talk about the secure nature of uh, the transactions. Again, I think many on this call will probably have been hearing for some time now, um, zero trust, which is essentially the transition from defense in depth, right? Which is the, the, the term of art years and years ago uh, of protecting our systems and data. And now we're, we're migrating necessarily to more of a zero trust architecture, zero trust framework. Again, it's how do we know these components that we're pulling together are the correct components to be speaking and that they have the necessary security services on there to do the authentication and authorization that we need to have done uh, for these services. So again, as I, as I think about it, it's, again, it, it's, a, it's a framework of, you know, comprised of a number of different elements that need to be considered as we then expose these to business partners and to the public uh, moving forward. Excellent. Having that conversation early helps everybody, uh, right, Reza? If I understand that correctly, make sure you get uh, information security and contracting all the folks involved right out of the gate can help in the long run. It's always less expensive and more efficient to do it up front, 100% of the time. Very good. I think I'm going to quote that. Love it. So I think we have time for one more question uh, before we wrap up here today. And I, for me, this is uh, one of the most impactful um, as we continue to help those around the healthcare IT ecosystem uh, think through these activities. And that is this concept of, you know, why does it take so long to build the architecture to build some of this up? And I've heard each one of you three reference doing it right early is the most important playing off of what you just stated, Reza. So, Saran, if you wouldn't mind kind of starting off with what are you, what are you maybe most excited about in, in 2022 or even as we get into 2023 when it comes to this concept of being able to gain that value? And, and I'll leave you with an analogy going into the, the conversation here. It's that highway concept to say, I'm on this interstate, but I don't have an opera to get to my favorite restaurant that's right there. It's just on the other side of the, the barrier, if you will. Uh, so, can you talk through some of the things you're maybe excited about to keep us on the highway yet allow for those off ramps and, and go get some of that value as we progress. Absolutely, Kevin. I mean, uh, technology is really, really into the rapid speed, I will call it as, right? I mean, we have seen it, uh, we all have witnessed as, as a consumer, as a beneficiary uh, when pandemic hit, right? I mean, we, everything went on as truck mode. Organizations have to really look for new methods of business, new methods of consumer, uh, services, et cetera. Well, earlier before pandemic and after pandemic is what I will take it up, right? And to see innovation, how technologies help innovation, big innovations are. Uh, earlier before pandemic, uh, uh, drive-through is, is somewhere you will see it, but after pandemic, this becomes a normal. So how, how does enterprises look into those kind of avenues to bring in those service offerings to customers? It's because the technology stacks, but A, the digital, right, are probably had a leg on cloud. So if I fast forward that from there, and what the key lessons that the pandemic has given for technologists to all of us is, how do we really recommend advice our customers rightly, rightly, right? To help them 
move on to and, and accept modernization as the face of the roadmap, right? Earlier scenarios, people look for modernizations once in three years, but today it is not. We spoke about how many services, are, how many cloud services have been modernized uh, month after month, right? And when I say modernization, it's not about complication, it's, it's simplifying the workflows, right? So as a technologist, what I really believe is we should guide our customers to rightly invest and rightly look towards this modernization opportunities. It's not only modernizing the technology stack, but it's one, it is keeping them ready towards new avenues of services. Two, it also simplifies their workflows, right? And what I also like about the earlier that Jimmy and Reza touched upon is the AI, AI ML capabilities, right? I mean, in cloud, the AI ML capabilities are within, right? It's embedded. Every service has something called an event-triggered activities, actions, right? We are talking about it can scale up when there is a huge demand. It can scale down when there is no demand. So this is a significant thing for, for from a CIO perspective to kind of control costs, but also give productivity, right? And the second area, which I'm thinking is, the, the first priority for CIO will be to enable its own business teams, right? To give them, empower them with everything they want. Hey, I would need a 10 terabyte of storage. Yes, on a click, I give it to you, right? I would need a hundred more VMs. Yes, I'm going to give it to you, right? And again, everything is a methodological approach. There is, there is a guided best practices, there is a guided approach, there is a great level of automation. That means, like Jimmy was talking about provisioning time before. So there is no provisioning time, right? So what we are trying to do from this, capitalizing this technology advancements and using some of the process uh, references that we have, the best practices and references that we have, we are not only monitoring the technologies, but we're bringing in new avenues such as AI, ML, and other analytical capabilities, real-time analytical capabilities, in result, enabling CIOs to go confidently commit to their business units that come ask more, and we are there for you. So that is how I see, Kevin. I think the road is limitless, and we have a great role to play in helping our customers build towards this modern digitalization, Kevin. Oh, that's excellent, Saran. And I, I have to recognize one statement you just made there before uh, Jimmy provides you the opportunity to chime in. And that is you, you reference folks asking for more. So we're going to gain efficiency uh, and we're going to reduce some of the maybe existing administrative burden. But what that enables us to do is more innovation. We're able to do more development. And what a fantastic concept and how exciting for the developers in the world today, right? To be able to say, I'm doing less of my admin work and I, I'm innovating more. That's, that's Hopefully that's exciting for everybody on the phone as it is for me. Uh, Jimmy, anything you want to add? What gets you most excited about uh, where we're going right now in 2022 or 2023 and some of the new capabilities you folks are working on? Yeah, I'm going to hit on a point that Saran made about um, the pandemic and the big move we saw in healthcare to the cloud. That was very, very um very accurate, Saran, and, and totally agreement um, on that move that we saw as well. What I'm curious about in 2022 is now we have a big move to the cloud, healthcare organizations upskilling on the cloud, becoming familiar with the cloud. Now they're a little bit more mature with the cloud. What is that going to bring in 2022? So, so we did have some big wins in 2021. Um, we had customers um, in the South, you know, that created a voice ambient um, service that could integrate 
in the clinical room that could actually write that data back into the EHR, which was a big win. We had a customer in the Midwest who actually had the ability to take, um, create like a COVID-19 data analytics hub by taking all these different data formats, um, converting them into fire and putting them in Health Lake and making it available to all their hospital systems in the Midwest. And then also a customer out West who did a big virtual desktop integration to kind of meet the needs of the remote workforce as the pandemic hit. So there was a lot, there was a lot of innovation that happened in 2021, but with all those customer examples, there's a lot of organizations that just were starting to explore with the cloud, get familiar with it. So I expect in 2022, we're gonna see a lot of innovation in healthcare when it comes to um, the cloud, just due to the fact that um, they've had some time to grow into it. And now I think it's gonna be that next phase. Yeah, that's extremely exciting. It's been fun to see what's been going on around to your point, Jimmy, the last couple of years. But where we're going, for me anyway, is even more exciting. And seeing everybody upskill in the industry and, and becoming certified to prepare for that is fantastic. Love to see the, the movement in that direction. So with that, folks, I want to wrap up. And, and first and foremost, uh, Jimmy Saran Reza, thank you so much for providing some of your input and bringing your expertise to the podcast. I really hope it was available for the CIOs, the CISOs, the operational folks on the phone with us here today. Um, and as a reminder, we know we hit on a lot of different topics uh, here. So anybody tuning in, uh, if you have more specific questions or if you just want to have an informal conversation, please, by all means, reach out. Um, or like I said, look us up while we're in uh, Miami at the Vibe Conference. Thanks, everybody. Have a good rest of your day. Kevin, great job. Thank you very much. And thank you to all our panelists today. We so appreciate you taking the time to do this. Hey, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, you have to come check out Interop Now at Vive. Through interactive demonstration, we will take all the concepts and products from the podcast and help you see in real time how to apply them to meet your goals. Come learn how to take your business to the next level with the premier interoperability solutions in healthcare. Find more information at www.viveevent.com.